Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion live on LinkedIn and shared on platforms including YouTube, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As ever, we're kindly sponsored by Virtu BMW, which is part of the Gateshead-based Virtu Motors PLC. So if you're in the market for a new used or fleet vehicle, then its dealerships are in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Moulton or York. In the studio this week, I'm joined by Nikki Jolly, founder of HR Today, and Charlene Lyons, the CEO of Black Sheep Brewery. Before we get into this week's news and discussion with my studio guests, I wanted to play this clip from a chat I had earlier today with Mimi Spear, the Turntide Technologies representative who recently their firm has invested £100 million into the UK. Mimi joined me from their stand at Smart Building Show in London. Mimi, we know your company in the northeast of England because of Turntide Transport, where you've been investing in electrification for vehicles. Why are you in London? What's the difference in what you're offering? Thank you so much, and we're so thrilled to be here. Um, so we not only do electrification of vehicles, but we also work in the built environment. And today we are at the London Smart Building Show, and we are showcasing our solution for sustainable operations and buildings called Turntide for Building. And it's actually something that we just launched a couple weeks ago, and we are so thrilled to debut it here in London at the Smart Building Show. Now, I can see behind you on your projector, lots of motors and bits of technology and diagrams. I'm sure if we were able to look at your presentation, we'd understand it better, but what does your solution involve? Thanks. Yeah. So what we do is we have, as you know, our smart motor system, which is kind of the Trojan horse of our solution. It allows for the most efficient motor with no rare earth magnets. Um, and that's kind of the foundation of our solution. But because this is a connected motor and can actually connect the rest of the building, we have a smart HVAC and smart operations solution that really helps customers to optimize conservation and energy within their building, but it also helps them lower the cost uh, to operate and maintain their entire portfolio of buildings. But Ultimately, we're trying to work in the built environment, similar to what we're doing in electrification, to strengthen and protect the brands of these building operators and to help them you know, achieve their net zero goals, as well as you know, obviously minimize uh, carbon emissions in their buildings. A lot of modern homes in Britain have things like Hive and, and these technology solutions where you can operate your heating system from your mobile phone. On a grand scale, is that what you're trying to do? Merge the technology that provides the heat and the ventilation with digital control? That's exactly correct. And that's a really great way of putting it. And just like in my home, I can control you know, my lights, my air condition, my irrigation, etc. from my, my iPad or my, my smartphone buildings need to be able to operate more remotely and be able to understand what's going on across their buildings. And especially buildings with a lot of infrastructure, there is risk of downtime, there is risk of, you know, severe weather conditions that really uh, impact the utility bills and energy costs. And so not only are we trying to help our organizations with their net zero, we want them to stay more 
we want them to become more profitable and really be leaders in their industry. And by innovating in this way, this is how they are going to, you know, be most innovative and most profitable as well. Well, I can see people stopping at your stand to look at the things behind you, which is good news. Now, you're an yeah. American firm. Uh, you have got this solution in buildings in America. What kind of buildings have picked up on it? Is it the skyscrapers yeah. we're familiar with uh, on the skyline of New York or is it more practical buildings? So we're actually focused on the more practical buildings. So different companies that have multi-sites and hundreds of different sites in smaller buildings where they really cannot afford a facility manager on site full time, but they also haven't really invested in BMS systems or you know very sophisticated systems to control their building. A lot of them are franchised or you know they are um, you know they just haven't invested in that sort of technology. So we are an overlay sustainability solution that helps multiple portfolios or multiple buildings um, in things like quick serve restaurants, grocery, warehouses, um, you know, convenience stores, retail, banks, etc. We can work in the larger building, but our focus is really the higher carbon emission issues uh, in these multi-site commercial and light industrial buildings. Well, it's always been a great pleasure working with your team. It's a very advanced American yeah. solution, and I hope you get a great foothold with this in the UK. Thank you for joining us, Mimi. Thank you so much for having us, and we are so excited to be in the UK and all over Europe, so thank you. That's good news. Uh, investment from an American firm here in the UK economy. Reflected in figures also released this week, the show UK PAYE businesses and those registered for VAT have increased ever so slightly to 2.8 million, an increase of just over half a percent, 0.6 percent from March last year. Not only that, but the Purchasing Managers Index has risen slightly from 54.8 to 54.9, the first expansion since May and pointing towards continued growth. While stagflation and record vacancies and the cost of energy are putting pressure on the economy, the signals I'm receiving from our clients at Recognition is generally positive. And here's an example, Nikki Jolly. Nikki, a few weeks ago, you, you conducted a survey, didn't you? We did. And yeah. I've got lots of uh, results of this. So this is, this is real businesses in northeast England? Yes, all in the northeast. Um, yeah. let's, let's look at the headlines and then discuss them. And I'll also bring in Charlene Lyons uh, from, um, from Black Sheep Brewery. So you've been looking specifically at the end of furlough. You asked, has your staffing increased or decreased in the past 18 months? And actually, increase stayed the same 70%, decreased 30%. So a big majority for an increase or stable. And then you said, how many staff are taking advantage of flexible working policies? Well, quite a lot, 70, 30 again there. And then you asked uh, businesses, how many would be making redundancies at the end of furlough, which was a few days ago? And 20% said yes, 80% said no. Now, that's an interesting set of data. It seems that furlough has worked. It does. It's a lot more positive than we anticipated, I think. I think there was a big worry about what end of furlough meant. Um, I was quite nervous how many people were still on furlough up until the yes, end. Yes, that's what you were saying earlier in the month, yeah, yes. Yeah, but I think, you know, that has bounced back. I think companies have sorted themselves out and they're going to bring people back and I think 20% are saying possible redundancies before Christmas. Let's be honest, there's lots of jobs in the area, so if it stays at that 20%, that really shouldn't have a big impact because there's work out there for people to come and do. So I'm pleasantly surprised and pleased with the results, certainly for the North East. It's a really positive message. And certainly from my clients, we had nobody on furlough at the end of the, the 
process. So it has definitely worked and kept businesses going. And I think the really positive thing is businesses in the northeast have actually grown, not reduced. So I personally think it's a brilliant piece of evidence. I, th I think it's it's good too, and it, it, it certainly reflects the kind of thing I'm seeing from other clients. But there are other pressures. Now let's bring in Charlene from Black Sheep Brewery. So Charlene, you you are at Black Sheep Brewery, obviously suffered a great deal because you had six pubs there to close during lockdown and uh, presumably brewing at, there was huge problems so you must have used furlough a great deal we absolutely did use furlough and we, we relied on it a lot certainly in retail because obviously pubs were shut um, we're a production company so we were brewing beer we were delivering beer to supermarkets so ultimately we still had some people in um, but we did use the furlough scheme quite extensively actually now you heard what Nikki said there was obviously no one knew an anxiety that when furlough comes to an end, and it, it might be that the figures will reflect this in a few weeks, it's only ended a few days ago, that there will be a large number of people made unemployed. When furlough came to an end at the brewery last week, did anyone who was on furlough lose their job? No, they didn't. Um, and actually we had stopped using furlough a couple of months beforehand because we had reintegrated people back into the business. I think the biggest concern for us um, during the furlough period actually and I'm not sure if you'd experienced this was that actually it wasn't always the employer's choice the employees in many cases had chosen not to come back to work whilst they were on furlough because actually you know there were some things just general issues around COVID and homeschooling that it made it easier for people to be at home. And I think also it, it, you have some interruption in your life that COVID brought it might cause a reassessment of your job and your work-life balance. Absolutely. People have really sort of revisited what, what they do and people have changed careers. There's a mm -hmm. big step change in how people have addressed themselves. People want the hybrid, the flexible working, and if they can't get it where they are, that there is opportunities that they can go and look. So people have had a full reflection of what's right for them and being at home when the children come home from school and, and that yeah. doesn't always fit in certain sectors and it has caused employers probably more problems than the individuals. I think I think that's right, and I can see it from our own business. We've had to uh, offer people the opportunity to have a little bit more flexibility. Although I have to say, from my own experience and talking to government ministers this week at the Tory conference, the ability to have people working from home is also very disruptive and can slow the economy down. I'll give you an anecdote. Uh, I won't name names, but I was transacting business with a large client of our firm and seeking to have payment made but the accounts department was almost universally to a person working from home and making the phone call meant sending an email, getting people to phone us back, trying to find their mobile phone, slowing down, albeit by only a few days, but then you multiply that over a few clients and suddenly you have cash flow. I think, sorry, go it, wasn't, I should, I should, it wasn't Black Sheep Brewery. <laughs> no, absolutely, it was not Black Sheep Brewery. Our finance team are well and truly yeah. in the business. Um, but I think it's a really interesting point, and I think that there, as a business, we've certainly picked the things that people can do easily from home and allowed that transition to happen. There are certain things that cannot happen from home, and we've learned that over the period of time. Strategic conversations, innovation, all of that really important kind of all of those really important nurturing conversations that happen in the room where you read off of people where you you you, you thrive on the vibe that's so difficult on a screen it is so difficult absolutely and, and frank thankfully i suppose tasting beer is very different and making beer <laughs> and manufacturing you you're seeing to there is a potential divide between people who are in the brewery actually doing the craft skill 
which I, I did you notice I'm plugging that? I hope I, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but there we are. We're not on television. We're not governed by Ofcom. Um, it, it's jolly nice, but there we are. Um, but those craft skills, whether it be brewing or plumbing or building or electrical engineering and the office worker skills, now HGV drivers appointing case there is a wage differential that's getting eroded isn't there there is yeah there's lots of things that are happening there's there's a there's a divide between for the ones that can't work we work with lots of manufacturing and engineering and the office staff have been able to work from home they physically can't that starts to create communication issues barriers them and us which is quite difficult for companies to manage about culture and values and about all the things that are really important that they need to now readdress. So it has caused other problems that at the time weren't anticipated. It was, we're doing the best we can, let's protect the country and let's do everything. We've got lots of months to come where there's going to be challenges. HGV drivers, to be fair, are highest paid people in the country virtually yeah. at the moment. You just can't find them and you know they're addressing those kind of things. But it's going to take a good six, but is it, months. I mean, I value your opinion on this, uh, Nikki. Is there actually going to be a bit of a reality check with white-collar workers, sometimes in the public sector, sometimes in the professions, who maybe have a traditional sense of their own net worth, and their own take-home, that is now going to be eroded? The, the sort of, as I say, the demarcation or the differentials, mm. to use that 1970s language, isn't going to be as important anymore. No, there's lots of change, and I'm not saying it's all for the good, but some of it is going to be really good for businesses. They're going to be able to readdress, rebalance, restructure. Now, Charlene's got a good example of actually this happening, in, not necessarily in pay, but in terms of everyone mucking in, haven't you? Because in order to get Christmas to work, you're going to have to have an HDV issue sorted. Without giving us the detail, what is your general approach to it? I think the general approach is just to be really open. Um, no idea is a stupid idea. I mean, we're in the process of looking at our current workforce and seeing who can potentially retrain as HGV drivers to ensure that we can deliver our product to market for Christmas. Um, this whole summer period where we've seen the confidence in casts come back and therefore beer deliveries have been really busy, we don't have enough drivers because some have chosen to still be on furlough or some have been off sick or people have had holidays um, and we've had our uh, managing director out delivering beer into cellars. Um, you do what you need to do, you kind of, you know, you diversify in a way that you can diversify but ultimately it becomes everyone's responsibility. It's every, it's a shared, it's a shared responsibility and we very much take that approach at Black Sheep. So, um, who knows, you would have the finance director packing boxes, the chief exec cooking in the kitchen, and the MD out delivering beer. I but mean, isn't that brilliant? Who knows? British, <laughs> British alike, look in. That's exactly that's right. And I suppose, I mean, just to give you a little bit of credit for what you do, where people aren't necessarily as flexible as the team at Black Sheep Brewery, they may be working for a, a business that has more conventional approach to. Uh, to people management and maybe straight-jacketed as a result. Mm. Uh, if managers and leaders like Charlene maybe need some advice on how to make it work, how to consult to have change, is this the kind of area you want to get involved in and help? This is where we can help them. It's about communication, about clarity. At the end of the day, the business have an objective to achieve and they need to work with their employees to get as much buy-in as possible 
but the reality is it still needs to be done. So there is certain processes that can be followed to ensure that the end result is met. The better you can do that, the better you can communicate, the more you're going to get the team spirit, you're going to get the creativity, but the reality is it has to happen. Okay. And that's where we support organisations to do that. I'm going to give the last word to you, Charlene, um, not least because you've got two bottles of beer <laughs> uh, brought in. Uh, but um, I noticed that your brewery was able to turn a profit this year. What does the outlook uh, look like if you are taking a positive view on recovering from COVID? We are thrilled we've made a profit this year in probably the most difficult of times. Um, but let's let's not be under any illusion that the challenge does not start now. I mean, we have got an awful lot of challenges coming our way, whether it be supply chain, whether it be inflation, whether it be overheads, whatever it is. Um, and I guess the key message, I guess, you know, Tamira, what you were saying is that everyone's just got to be open and honest, communicate and actually just come armed with grit and determination to believe that they can address and achieve um, success in whatever environment. If COVID's taught us anything, it's that actually you can make changes, you can make changes quickly, you can be reactive. And what's the worst that can happen if you try something? Great. Well, look, thank you both uh, for joining me and also thank you for Mimi earlier. And by the way, it was nice to see one of our business unmuted where I was the only man on the programme rather than so often one woman being the only woman on the programme. Join us again uh, next week for another episode of Business Unmuted.